When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Hey, brother, how are you? I'm doing all well. I'm going to say I'm doing all right, but I'm a little less than all right today. I had my second COVID shot about three days ago, and... It, I was a little under the weather for a couple of days. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really sketchy side effects. Uh, how how are you feeling? I don't have sketchy side effects. I have a little bit of a cough, a little bit of tightness in my chest. So if I sound weird today, guys, sorry about that. It is because I'm still recovering. It, but it's made me so darn tired. I, oh. As you know, we had the Edible Landscape Project this Saturday. So many things that I'm trying to accomplish. And all I want to do is sleep. That's that's awesome. I mean, well, okay, so not the sleeping. The sleeping isn't awesome, but it's awesome that you guys were able to put that in the project into effect and start getting it started. If I remember correctly, you had said you had some really good results. One of the business owners was super excited what you guys were going to do. Yeah, I, I guess we could cover that real quick. It's this last Saturday, and again, that you're going to hear about this well after it happens. So if you're following the website and the progress, you've already seen it. But we've gotten the ground tilled in front of the... The smokehouse, the barbecue place right there in Duran, Mm -hmm. the Union Station smokehouse. And we started cleaning all the grass out of there. It's a good span of space. And we've planted probably another 40 plants. They have 12 tomato plants on their property now. They have at least four cucumber. And again, if, if the owner is listening, I'm sorry, we got the wrong cucumbers. They wanted the English cucumbers, the seedless, and we I couldn't find them anywhere this year. So it is that is a bummer. We also have four zucchini plants and I believe eight pepper plants and several different kinds of pepper from sweet to green to hot. Really? That sounds wonderful. And we also have placed green beans. And we have a small section that we still haven't finished that we're going to do next weekend, which I think was that June 10th or so. No, it's not. It's the 12th, June 12th. And that's where we'll clean up the rest of it, pull any weeds that shot up, and then figure out what the heck's getting planted there. Hopefully something they can use. Well, I think that anything that goes in the ground is going to be something that someone can use. It's going to be a great step in progress. And anything that goes near the restaurants is going to be, you know, essentially you're improving their menu by giving them better produce for free. So I'm, I'm really excited. The, you know, the fun part was, is yesterday I went back just to kind of water. It's been very hot and dry here in Michigan. And it worries me about some of the, the plants that are just getting into the ground. Because like I said before, 
it's not necessarily good soil. So I uh, I go back up there. Well, the restaurant's open, so people are are seated outside because it's a beautiful day, and I can hear people talking. What is that guy working on? What is he? Are those plants? What plants is he watering over there? And finally, one of the guys just got up and walked over. And while I was explaining it, his friend came over. And then another person from a different table walked over to the signs my wife made and started scanning the QR codes. So it's it's certainly getting plenty of attention. You've saw the video on local news. Absolutely. We're getting, we're getting some coverage. So That's good. anybody out there, start planning yours for next year. You'll get the newspapers out there. We've had not only the locals, but our Flint Journal. We've had Channel 12 TV out there. Go do it in your town. It's great. It's a lot of fun, and it's going to produce a lot of vegetables for people. That's wonderful. I'm so happy it's got such a positive reception. Me too. And so far, so good. Uh, fingers are crossed. We're, oh, we've almost got everything in the ground. So from this point on, it's maintain and replace as needed. So, so far, so good. But it has been a long time since you and I have recorded. Listeners don't, don't know that because we sometimes go in spurts and record a bunch all at once and then time bomb them in the system to come out but you and it's been a while since you and i have met it's been a minute yeah you're not supposed to tell them that's supposed to be our secret oh no i gotta tell them that and i'll tell you the last time we were supposed to meet i didn't i was exhausted i sent a message to nick and just said please 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 just let me go to sleep it is my fault that we have this large gap but we have had a large gap i kind of miss you I miss you too sir and it's it's definitely been a while i've been so busy and so have you i've kind of been a victim of my own drive trying to get my own business off the ground and running and you have 37 and a half projects all the time so you're always busy so it sucks but it's 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 for good causes we're making progress in the right directions so you got good things happening i do i do the catering company is doing really well excellent that's what i like to hear so that someday you'll have all these people doing all this catering and you can dedicate all your time to this show that's exactly what i'm hoping for you know (laughs) I can make my company sustainable so I can decide to do more of the podcast. I'm kidding. I know you love to cook and it would drive you bonkers if you couldn't do more of it. Well, I think that the problem I'm going to have is that I'm going to make this company successful so I can do more of it with a different project that I have in mind later on. Um, So we'll see where it goes. I think good things are coming, though. Excellent. Excellent. So. We're going to come back, do this show right now, and it's going to be a sensitive topic. We're going to go straight to a sore spot in Michigan. Okay, let's do it. You sound ready? Well, I mean, you know, I I do believe with sore spots, pimples, zits, blackheads, sometimes you just got to pull them out. You got to pop them. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off and get into it. Well, this is, and people have asked about about this before, and I think it's about time we actually discuss it. We're going to talk about the Line 5 pipeline in Michigan. Now, okay. Do you know much about that pipeline? Uh, well, I know that it runs under, well, I think the Straits of Mackinac or something. It runs under the Great Lakes. It is responsible for 45 or like 50% of the uh, supply of natural gas, propane, light crude oil, blah, 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 for the UP. Um, I know it diverges into two two different pipes, so it's sometimes often referred to as like a dual pipe. And I know I also know that it's uh, three times thicker than the minimum thickness for most other pipes of that kind. Yeah, they designed it to last them 50 years. I hope so. Kind of like our kind of like our lakes. <laughs> right. But we've exceeded the 50 years. Let's keep that in mind also. It's it's run by Embridge. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a Canadian company that 
that has tried to or wanted to move crude oil or tar sands oils. It, it actually uh, transfers a few things from far west of uh, in Canada, across to Canada, through the UP, down the Straits, through Michigan, and then over into, I think it's like the, the Sarnia or even further south down by Detroit. But it's basically Canada's industrial area. So the, the pipeline is really designed to supply Canada and its industry with the oil they need to power things. All right. Okay. Now it does stop. We have uh, stopping stations in the UP where they pull off a certain amount of product to create the propanes. And I think, I think it was a propane and kerosene you said? It's propane, natural gas. Okay. Propane and natural gas that they need for the UP, which is about 5% of what goes through that pipeline. Okay. So it is 645 miles long, built in 1953 by Enbridge Energy. Where we see the issues are, right now, everybody knows it's there because people are speaking up. It's going through the Straits of Mackinac. And as we know, the Great Lakes are very important to Michigan. Yeah, they should be important to the whole world. It's the largest body of fresh water. You think that maybe they'd be a little interested in protecting it. It's, yes, it's 20% of the world's surface water. That is... That's a fifth. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> of the of the fresh fresh surface water in on the planet hold on a second let me ask you a question when you say fresh surface water is that a generalized term or are you including frozen water too are you including glaciers because if no. you're not included so it's just the liquid water yes okay and that's so, but that's just the great lakes that's not really talking about the rivers tributaries streams and all the other little private man-made lakes that are in the state of michigan either Right. Okay. Right. And it's 95% of the U.S.'s fresh water. Yeah, there we go. See? That's surface, you know, of the surface fresh water. There are obviously underground aquifers that we draw yeah. from, which, as we've we've learned in several of their episodes, are stressed at the at minimum. Well, yeah, and, and I agree. And I don't know, and I'm, I'm very ignorant with this, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but is there anyone that's ever tested or is there any proof that the underground aquifers aren't connected underground to the Great Lakes? I mean, if there is a leak in the Great Lakes, is there any way that maybe something like an underground current would pull that crude oil into something else? Well, U of M did a heck of a study, and we'll get to that in a minute, Okay, where, where they actually ran thousands of simulations on... If there was a leak in this one spot, what would happen? Okay. And they, I mean, it really was in 2016. It's U of M of Ann Arbor did a, did a very lengthy study that's easy to find online. I went through it. But a couple of things we have to know first is that 30 million people drink from the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. That is the freshwater source for more than 30, 30 million people. I did some research on this, and there's the part of me that used to be corporate who listens to the corporate guy. And I pull out all the I know what you're trying to say comments. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, oh, it's 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 being checked. The pipeline is fine. All the normal stuff. But then there's the logical side. Twenty percent of the world's surface freshwater. Ninety five percent of the United States's freshwater from the surface. Thirty million people drink from it. And yet we're still putting in risk. I, I find that weird. Well, I find it weird, but also something I want to put into perspective for the people that don't know. You say 30 million people drink from it, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so just to enlighten people, what's the the general like? Give me a, a approximate population of Michigan: twelve million, ten million. I think it's twelve. So we have so we have Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. It could be Kentucky. It could be any any outlying state around us that probably gets water from the lakes, not including Canada. Right. So it may be more than thirty million. Thirty million may be a conservative number. I tried to look at this objectively because okay. because I, I I'm so in tuned with the environmental side that's the only information i was getting so i went into onto embridge's site and just started pulling information oh, you, mean there, you mean there's six paragraphs about how great they are and how wonderful that pipeline is? <laughs> well okay in the yes it is it is designed like a mentos commercial and it is you know they're saying oh you could lose 60 million dollars worth of economic development and michigan they they're talking about they're they're toting the tunnel they want to build a tunnel underneath our previous governor had struck a deal with embridge to literally build a tunnel under the straits of mackinac so they, could, so they can run a pipeline in the tunnel so it could be maintained easier that's a terrible idea they talk about all the jobs that are lost the, the more i look at it all the jobs that are, they're, they're talking about in michigan that we would lose aren't michigan jobs they have about between 250 to 300 jobs in Michigan on maintenance on the lines, the 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 oil pulls and returns, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it is not a huge job gain for Michigan. But not when for they, 300, no. But when they tout the jobs, they're really touting thousands of Canadian jobs, which I'm not saying doesn't affect us. What I'm saying is, is if they're going to make a case to Michigan, they have to use Michigan numbers. Well, yeah, because anyone that's ever spent time in Michigan. Okay, let me rephrase that. Anyone that's ever spent time in Mackinac or up in that general area knows that the primary amount of Michigan jobs up there is tourism. Mm -hmm. If you work, if you have a job specifically up there that isn't year round, then it's, you know, seasonal. It's probably you're probably working at a shop or a restaurant or working at a boat ferry or you're working at, a, you know, like you're working as part of the staff at um, at Mackinac Island. Like there's a lot of seasonal tourism jobs up there, which I'm going to tell you right now, if something happens with that line and they leak into the Great Lakes and starts ruining the wild, the tourism is going to go down to the drain. That's going to lose jobs. That is going to screw that economy right over. Excuse my language. Well, and the more I read it, the more I realized that the site isn't necessarily aimed towards michigan now they use those numbers when they talk to michigan residents but it isn't michigan so from there i decided okay well first things first how has embridge handled spills they have all these pipelines everywhere it has to have happened at some point well it has it happened in wisconsin in 2007 okay it it happened in north dakota in 2010 it happened in kalamazoo in 2010 And the one in Kalamazoo was the largest inland oil spill in the United States. Wow. It devastated that area. 226,000 gallons of oil. It took them 17 hours to respond. And it ruptured where they had records showing stresses and cracks. They knew two years in advance. 800,000 gallons of tar sands leaked out of that. That's terrible. So, again, it was the the largest inland oil spill in the United States. It was a it was pure devastation. It was groups out there trying to save wildlife. Embridge was out there trying to do containment cleanup, 
and it was one of the first times ever tar sands was released into a river. So no one really knew exactly how to handle that because tar sands sinks. It, it's not something that just floats to the surface and you can easily solve it. No, you have to dredge. You have to almost block the water off and clean it out and dredge it. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, so to this day, they still have some issues in that area where people can go and take soil samples and pull uh, oil from it. So as I'm looking at this, the history of it, I'm starting to look at, okay, that's not good. That, that means we have a company that is focused on the financial aspects and not necessarily the safety aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you can find on YouTube plenty of interviews where Embridge said, yep, back then we were all kinds of screwing it up. And that was it was that spill that made us better. And on the outside, that seems like that could happen. But there was a small activist group in Michigan who actually went scuba diving. And there's a video on YouTube, if anybody wants to see it, of them going and checking line five, where you have areas held up by sandbags. You got areas that spanned well beyond the 75 feet allowed without any supports. Completely the outer coating on many of the areas, and which, by the way, if the outer coating starts to come off, they call it a holiday. So I'm not sure why, but there's several places documented where the outside protective coatings have started to peel off and be removed. There's places where it's been struck by anchors that you can see the anchor damage on. There's places where the braces have broke. It's where clay had, where, where there was like clay mounds in there and mm-hmm. that, that clay mound collapsed on the line. There's a lot of things that you see in those videos. First of all, I know as a person, I've said this on this show so many times. If you want to battle water, just know that it's extremely expensive and you're going to lose. If you want to move a river, it will move itself back someday with or without your permission. The moment you run out of money, it will slowly move itself back. Mm -hmm. Function where nature puts things because there's a reason. When you're battling water, you're going to lose. And I'm a technology nerd. It is irresponsible at this point from what i'm pulling on this information and i know i should be very angry and very one-sided but i really did want to look at both sides but it is silly that we even have that thing in there and i understand they built two pipelines underneath to help reduce the pressures and there's a lot that goes along with it but it is well beyond its lifetime i can't think of a reason to build a tunnel because here's how this is going to work They're going to say, if we turn this off, your energy cost will go up. That is, just so everybody listening, and I know I'm speaking to the choir because we're pretty much talking to environmentalists, that's temporary. When you turn that pipeline off, they punish you. If you do something with with gas lines, they punish you. And they will punish you with a temporary increase in price. What will happen then is they'll use another avenue to get you what you need at at that higher price. But the consumers will use less. They will start conserving. They won't, they won't use it as much as they did before because they're trying to try to conserve, mm-hmm. which will drive the price down. It also means that we will likely not get our energy from Canada. We'll probably get it from a Michigan company who will be willing to truck it up. Yeah. So, yes, the things that they say on surface are true, but they're also temporary. That's one thing about economics. They can't punish you for very long. They only punish you long enough for you to acknowledge that you've been punished. Within a few months, those prices start to move again, and they find themselves settling right around where they were to begin with. 
Well, in a lot of ways, that punishment is the same way they train like an elephant. So they, they, they tell you something that's true, and then you see it happen. So then you realize you shouldn't do it because you're going to get punished. Well, did you know that a baby elephant, they chain up with a huge chain or a giant rope, and they pound a massive stake in the ground? So it can't move and it fights and fights and fights. And so as they get older, they reduce the size of the chain. And finally, when the elephant's a full-grown elephant, they just put a tiny rope on there. But it's been conditioned its whole life not to fight the punishment because it can't move. It thinks it's not as strong as that rope is. Right. So that's how people are the same way. They tell them something that's true. They punish them because, you know, they're going to make them pay more. And the people don't want to pay more. So they don't fight the system. Well, the system is scamming you. And this is BS because it's hurting our environment. You know, when you say they won't pay more, I think it's shown time and time again, we will, as long as it's something worth paying for. The problem is, is they've got everybody kind of pushed to a wall. They've got everybody's finances down about as far as you're going to get them. People are, you know, barely making it and they don't want to pay more for something like that. And I get it. I absolutely understand that. Mm -hmm. But they have several other pipelines that don't cross the Great Lakes. This is literally done as a shortcut. And what I'm getting from this is the only reason why this line has not been shut down is because they've been told to shut it down. They're just going to pump and run and collect as much as they can for the longest period they can. Either A, it breaks, or B, Michigan shuts them down. And I really believe, because they have several other routes that they can send this this oil, that they're only keeping it open uh, because people don't want it open. It's becoming, if, if we let the pressure win, the next time they'll shut us down over here. They'll shut us down over there. I honestly believe that they think that this is a, a fight they have to make so they can have a pipeline anywhere. If they shut it down, then they may never get another pipeline. Well, I think they should shut it down because it's the right thing to do. I don't think we should be running you know oil through the environment like that. The ignorance in what I saw is astounding. And I don't mean just from one side, even the things that Embridge says in their videos and what they show in their videos and how they talk about certain things. From a guy who worked in a corporate atmosphere, I know what they're saying. And it's not it's not good. This is a I don't want to because you told me to, but they're playing chicken with almost all of our fresh water. You can't play chicken with the earth because you're going to lose. But uh, maybe I'm just a little more frustrated because I've spent the last weekend up in Mackinac. And I, even though I was born and raised in Michigan, I haven't really spent a lot of time uh, really admiring the beauty we have here. And so this past weekend when I was in, in Mich, you know, in Mackinac, I I just was overwhelmed by how wonderful it was and, and the water and the environment, the nature. We went to the dark sky park and there was just a lot of things that were... I'm not going to say breathtaking, but they left you in a sense of graciousness. Like you were happy. You were appreciative that you lived there. Like it made me happy to know that I lived in Michigan. I was, it was grateful that I lived reasonably close to this kind of stuff and that I hadn't wasted any more time that I had and not admiring it because it's, it's not as, it's not as easy to ignore this kind of stuff when you don't know what you risk losing. And when you are faced with these, you know, these, these, miles and miles of just gorgeous waters and and beaches and and animals and oh my god the animals it should make you want to fight for them it should make you want to stand up and and defend what can't defend itself it's just i don't know i'm done preaching for a minute well it's probably a good time to talk about that 2016 study from the university of michigan ann arbor and and they did they ran thousands of simulations 
what would it be like if they had early detection? What would it be like if they had late detection of the crack? Because it takes them a while before they can respond. Now, if you ask Enbridge, they say they know an immediate pressure change. But from the past spills, that that isn't true. We know that isn't true. It can't be true. When it, it, even if they were... Even if they were better than the Kalamazoo, if they cut that response time in half, we're talking a full spill of what set eight eight hours, eight and a half hours, nonstop flowing into the into the Great Lakes. If they responded immediately and just to know, not to get out there and start making a change, not to shut the pipeline down, that is just to know. So what we're looking at, probably in a best case scenario, I think U of M did a, a seven hour response as the as the quick response. And it still was terrible. It was still hundreds of miles of shoreline. And it showed what levels, how much oil would travel in which directions at what levels. So was it would it be surface oil? Would it go right to the bottom of the of the lakes would it float somewhere in the middle because there's in those tar sands has enough gas or enough oil to do that it will be at three different levels oh my my assumption being ignorant and i i am ignorant and know nothing about crude oil my assumption though is that like right like the oil i do know the viscosity changes with temperature so depending on the temperature of the water will change where the oil goes well and there is a big miss in this u of m study mm-hmm because all this says is under best uh, under best case scenarios, what are the results of a minor leak, medium leak, and high leak? Now, granted, a high leak, 700 miles of coastline would be at risk. 700 miles of coastline, and that's again three levels: the bottom of the ground, you know, the bottom of the of the lake, some floating in the middle, some at the surface. 700 miles, and right around Mackinac right at Mackinac, that there are, it is likely that the unsupported portions of the pipeline will, will be the places where they give, because they're Mm -hmm. also showing uh, the delamination of the outside coatings. There's a lot of other actions happening. That's where uh, basically the gentleman from U of M said, it's going to get hit by another anchor. And at some point it doesn't hold up. It is well beyond its life cycle, just like we talked about Flint water pipes, well beyond their life cycle. It would be considered the worst possible place to have an oil spill in the United States. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the weather places, there's been oil spills. How long do they see the effects last? I mean. Well, again, Kalamazoo currently still sees it. But here's the, the let's let's take it another step further. Oil during a spill, it doesn't matter if it was Exxon Valdez, if it, if it was New Horizons down in the Gulf, devastates the biodiversity of an area. Yeah. Fish, birds, insects, everything is generally killed. So when you say, how long does it take? I'm not sure we know that yet. I'm not sure things are back to normal. I don't think nature has recovered from some of the other spills we've had. Well, and that's kind of what I was getting into is that I, on a dry land spill, it's bad enough. But with the Great Lakes being one of the biggest you know, bodies of fresh water you're ever going to find, the amount of you know life inside that water, crabs, fish, I mean, all different kinds of insects and birds. And, and there's, there's tons of stuff in there. To have that all wiped out 
and it wouldn't it, may, it wouldn't be overnight it's not like they're going to swim into a diet it's going to be slow it's going to be painful it's going to take time some things are going to die real quick some things are going to suffer until the end i mean it's not going to be something that people are going to be able to ignore instead of having tourism we're going to have you know mass migrations of people up there to volunteer to clean our state back up because some company on the canica was irrational irresponsible and ignorant and made a mistake remember not only wildlife that is affected directly by the oil spill but sometimes the food chain gets so disrupted you'll start learning losing species who were of away from the oil spill because everything they eat died in the oil spill yeah and it just continues to cascade and in michigan in pure michigan as we like to say our our, our stake is pounded into nature we that we are a nature state yeah once we are you, once you're north of saginaw or Where's Dow Chemical Midland? Uh, it's, uh, somewhere, it's somewhere in between, yeah. Yeah, once you're once you're north of that, this is beautiful forest. This is untouched wildlife, gorgeous dunes, and shores that let people feel what it would like to be on an ocean. Look at it. Look at it this way. We're talking about wildlife. I'm 34 years old. I am just now in my 34 years of age, starting to see bald eagles on a regular basis come back down from the north. Our entire life, I mean, how many times have you seen a bald eagle in Flint or Montrose or Clio or over in Durand? You hardly ever, ever, ever see them. Very rarely. If this spill happens, you're wiping out their entire their entire food source. They hunt, they, they fish. They, they pull fish out of the water. So if they can't get food, they're just going to move. Or they are going to get fish and they're going to eat and they're going to die. That's mm-hmm. the nation. It's the nation symbol. Yeah, it, I mean, it disrupts the whole food chain and biodiversity of the whole state. So uh, pe- people who are less rational about the environmental side focus on the economic side. And I've already said that they only produce between 250 and 300 jobs in a rotation here in Michigan, mm-hmm. which is is not insignificant to 250 to 300 people and families. But transitions to renewables would bring thousands of jobs. Anytime you start a new a new industry for energy, it absorbs a tremendous amount of headcount. It is a very labor-intensive job, and it would be a much better job with better pay. The assumption is, is that propane prices in the UP would jump about 5 to 10 cents a gallon. The reality, not the spooky, we're telling you it's going to go up a buck. But the five to 10 cents a gallon. And again, I still think that's temporary because you're saying we won't supply it. So you're in trouble. You're going to pay more. But I think other companies will fill will fill the gap for the extra money. There's already railways that go there where the same kind of product is moved through. And let's not forget, they truck it every single day. Yeah. It's not like there's a shortage of ways to move fossil fuels. We've been doing it ever since we've been using fossil fuels. It's a scare tactic to try to get people in the region to fight for them. And there is no good reason for them to. Because if, it, if, if there is a breach, their land will be worth zero for the next 30 years plus. You're not wrong. Something I was trying to research while you were talking because it never occurred to me till now. You were talking earlier about Michigan being all nature and beautiful and pure Michigan. Have you ever been to um, Kitsch Itty Kippy, also known as like Big Spring or Mirror of the Gods? It was named by the Ojibwa you know, hundreds of years ago. It's just up in the UP. It's like the largest freshwater spring in Michigan, and it's 
it's in a bed of limestone, so it's so clear you can see straight to the bottom. It I have not 10, been there, but it sounds like we're going. It's uh, yeah, it gets a uh, ten thousand gallons of fresh water every day from the spring. My the reason I was trying to look it up is that an underground spring, the the artesian spring, has to come from somewhere. So my fear is that, like I mentioned before we start recording, if all this stuff is connected underground to the lakes, and the lake gets polluted, then you're gonna start seeing this spread to all these other beautiful parts of the state it's it's as bad as it would be it'd be even more tragic to have it spread to other areas we didn't know it would affect and just kind of cascade down and ruin the whole state i mean let's be honest right now the best thing that can happen Mm -hmm. is that we all temporarily hold temporarily hold our breath until they finally shut it down the state of michigan has issued them a cease and desist they've went to court and said we don't plan on shutting it down until the court makes us shut it down so they're just trying to get every drop through they can. So in a best case scenario, we just hold our breath until it's finally shut down. After the court says so, after they appeal it, because they get that opportunity, we go through this long, drawn-out process because this, they lease that land, and we're evicting them from that land, the state of Michigan is. So our current governor is taking action, but... We, we hold our breath every day because we're talking about a pipeline that's 10 plus years past its dupe. Well, that and we talk about uh, some of our best fortune relying on the actions of other people to not hit it with a boat anchor. I mean, it ultimately, and I'm not sure how how many feet under the you know under the surfaces is, how deep it is, what kind of boats we're talking about. If we're talking about you know big you know freight liners or if we're talking about pleasure craft i don't know but either way we're, we're really praying if nothing else hoping that someone isn't just going to actually put the anchor in the wrong spot yeah yeah at which we know happens on a regular basis already yeah so it's not like you can say oh that won't happen it does now here's another part that the study didn't cover that i want to bring up what if it's what if the lakes are frozen over what yeah. if the lakes are are frozen and then it breaks how do we clean frozen. that? How do we clean that up? You you don't. I mean, I guess you'd have to drill through the ice, and you'd have to go on with the unmanned craft that could handle the cold and the depths and the pressure. Which I don't know how deep it is. Can't imagine pressure be so high. But and try to repair it like that. Can you? I mean, is there a way to clean it up? All well, I think the, you oh. can repair it. I think you can get you can get crews down there to repair it. But how do you clean it? How do you? It's not going to come up to the surface. It's not no. going to go to the shores right away. It's going to be constantly in the currents back and forth back and forth moving around you would have to set up i'm obviously making this up as i go you would have to set up some type of suction filtering device underwater that pulls it out almost like imagine dialysis with a patient you put one tube in sucks it all the way out of the lake you filter it and then the clean water goes back in which that could work but you would kill any any life that got in your way and you would destroy any remaining ecosystem down there trying to get that to function and how many of those would you need for the great lakes oh more than they probably make they probably try to do with one or two just enough to get on the front page of the news to say they were doing the right thing don't forget tar sand sink yeah so whatever gets caught in the current is going to at some point pick its place in the currents So different densities. So some will be right up against the ice. Some will be mid-grade and some will just kind of stumble around on the ground at the, at the bed. If 
for best case scenario, you would hope that the water would be so cold that it, most of it would stay at the bottom and it would be easy to access. The last thing you would hope for that you would ever want is the current to pick it up because, you know, the ice, it does. I mean, I've been in Mackinac during the winter. It does freeze all the way over. But then you have the question of, well, how deep is the water and how warm does it get at the bottom? Because if you have water at the top, that's. 30 degrees and it's frozen over water at the bottom that's 45 where there's an underground current that's an issue well and i worry more about the response time if 17 hours caused one of the largest inland accidents the u.s has ever experienced in kalamazoo what happens when you get a rupture in the straits of mackinac and you can't even get right to it well Okay, let me ask you this question. Where would the response be coming from? Where is the closest facility that could issue a crew out to work on it? I believe they have two. They have crews in the, in the United States and Michigan that are very, very close. But I think the temperatures and the ice add yet another complication. Of course they do. It is, you know, whenever I thought about this for the longest time, I just thought about it as it would be today. But in Michigan, it gets pretty darn cold and it, and it will freeze over. And I think that that offers I think that should have been added into the study at U of M, because I think that would have shown it, it if that ruptures, if or when that ruptures, it will be catastrophic to the state of Michigan. And Enbridge will just bankruptcy itself and come back as a different company. Well, it'll be catastrophic, but also look at it this way. Earlier, you had mentioned that they said they would know, they would notice the difference in pressure immediately if something happened. But you also started this conversation out saying this pipeline was built for 50 years, was built in the 50s. So it's about 18 years past its mark. If it's technology from the 50s that hasn't been updated as they went, hasn't been maintained properly as they went, there's no scientific devices down there of the new age to allow proper response time for, and we're talking like if they're going to notice a loss in pressure in this pipe, that's 21 inches in die, what 21 inches in diameter, it would have to be a substantial leak to notice that pressure. We're not talking about a new gauge. It's all digital with really high tech sensors. We're talking about something that's pretty old school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, it's, I mean, I'm sure they have newer equipment at pumping stations and things like that, but here's what I've decided. I'm, I'm an engineer. I have to do risk assessments. If someone handed me this project in the in the little bit of research that I've started to do, mm-hmm. and I am on the side of Michigan, because it's different if you're on the side of Canada. This is a foreign energy company who has rights through Michigan with the ability to destroy large areas of Michigan. So if I'm deciding a risk assessment and they hand me this packet for Michigan, I'd have slid it back. There's a 0% chance. There is no economic amount, no dollar amount, no economic advantage that you can give me to risk the most important aspect of our state. And I'm talking about that in economic scale. So I know that's going to irritate some people, but that has to be brought into this. Yes, personally, all the environmental pieces are very important to me. But even if I was governor and had to make the decision balancing economics and everything else, there is no advantage to this. There is none because there's no amount of money that they can send our way that will that will fix the likelihood of a disaster. And then part of that risk assessment is I've looked into the past. They keep rupturing pipes. <laughs> so it's not mm-hmm. like it doesn't happen. And each time they go, OK, that was that was an anomaly or OK, that one was really bad and we learned from it. 
what we're not seeing is it stop happening. <laughs> and it's bad enough when you run a pipeline across, you know, ancient burial grounds. It's bad enough when you ran run pipelines through farmland. It is asinine to run it through the Great Lakes. It is irresponsible. It is ignorant. And, it, and, and they are being arrogant. And I honestly believe the only reason why they're not taking it down is because people want them to. I think that anytime you try to ask a big corporation to not do something that they feel is in their best interest for their business, I understand why there's there's static, but I think that when you weigh in what the cost is, what the risk is, what the worst case scenario could be, I, I think that your responsibility to your customers would dictate that you do it. You The, the, the pipe shouldn't be there. And I'm not saying people shouldn't have access to, to their utilities and the things they need i just don't want to see our state pay the cost of it well in best case uh solution which was the tunnel would take five years which means that pipeline would would sit there another five years with seismic activity under it i don't think it's a best case solution i think a best case solution would be to find a different way to get a source in the up instead of having a pipe that runs all the way through there we have sources in michigan and they would supply it I'd like to keep reminding people the price hike you would that you would experience would be the punishment for forcing them to do something they didn't want to do. But the way economics works, when people stop buying as much, the price comes down and it would hit equilibrium between probably three to six months. And then we wouldn't have a pipeline running through the Straits of Mackinac. We shouldn't have one at all. And we shouldn't have that tunnel. Anyone that ever suggested a tunnel going to water is an idiot. The, it's the terrible idea. Yeah, well, and no, it's so, a bigger pipe. It's just a bigger pipe that has more pressure. And yeah, it's easier to maintain until it's not right. Well, and I want to remind everybody one one last thing before we end this show. Fossil fuel industry is slowly decreasing. I wrote dying, but it will never fully die. It is definitely slowly decreasing. It has just ended its golden age. Our Our former president gave them a blank check. They did a lot. That time is over. We're going to see a slow decrease in fossil fuel consumption at every aspect over the next 20 years, minimum. Electric cars, electric tractors, hydrogen fuel, there'll be a bunch of different things that take it over. There is no reason to spend that kind of time, that kind of money, to build infrastructure that isn't going to be used. So that's all we have for this week. We appreciate you listening. And for those of you who are leaving the reviews on iTunes, thank you very much. It is always going to help out getting us into the search engine so people can find us. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you again for all the messages. I've really enjoyed that this Line 5 conversation came from a message. So thank you. Keep that up. we, We love chatting with you. We will try to sign off our names on the bottom so people know if it's Nick responding or myself. But again, thank you so very much for listening. We appreciate your support. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? that Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org, E-T-H-Y-K.org.